Do you like the sounds of carcass mixed with the outrageous tones of strong arm? This is David Button of The Showdown, and we're about to discuss metal. This is the Discuss Metal Podcast with David Bunton of The Showdown. Hosted by Dan Terry and Joseph Wren. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. Do dueling guitars make you horny? Yes. Are you... <laughs> That's my new text tone. Oh, man, he said dueling guitars. I, I gotta go. I gotta go. <laughs> I need 10 minutes alone. Yeah, only 10, only 10 minutes. I have the pleasure this evening of sitting down with David Bunton of the showdown. Let me try that again. <laughs> it's already screwed up. I have the pleasure this evening of sitting down with David Bunton of the showdown. Even though he's not currently sitting, I don't think. Dude, I'm standing. Makes me uncomfortable. No, I'm just fine. Uh, I can sit down. I can uh, sit down. Dude, it's fine. Don't worry about it. How are you doing tonight, David? Fantastic. Just kicking it. Hanging out there in sweet nature. Yeah, yeah. I'm hanging out at the house. Like, eventually, like, hopefully, like, you guys can hear, like, the next door neighbor screaming at her cats. Like, it's a good time over here in Knoxville, Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Very nice. <laughs> Yeah, we're uh we're down here in the in the soundproof bunker known as the Disgust Metal Studio, <laughs> and uh, we're, uh, we're the the beer is flowing, and uh, the the night is still young. Oh yeah, this is going to be the longest podcast you've ever done. Oh, I don't think so, man. The we, bar has been set very high on that. We one, did sir. a. Uh, <laughs> I have no shame in saying this. We did a podcast on um Azalea dying a long time ago, and uh, we uh. That was like what, Joe? Like five hours? It was a four and a half hour recording that got cut to three fifty. Because we had to talk about the albums, but then we had to talk about the elephant in the room too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like I like metal. I like investigation, discovery. Like, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then it'll be the best three and a half hours of your life. (laughs) (laughs) No, Sarah and I went to see them on our anniversary. It was, it was tight. I mean, you know, it was totally tight. She likes a lot, and I saw this new this band I never heard of called uh, Bury Your Dead. Oh, dude, they're and, awesome! Uh, oh, dude, they had some riffs that were like out of control. Actually, like bought a shirt and stuff, and oh, like yeah. there were like, a couple times where like the dude rapped, and I was like, "Holy crap, that's like so awesome!" Like he should do that more, and really embrace his like inner tribal <laughs> there you go dude why does rap keep coming up on this show well it's dude, supposed to be yeah. a metal podcast <laughs> i know well yeah dude bury their dead's been around for a while <clears throat> they're one of my uh they, they're they've been one of my favorites for a while oh my god not af- not bury your dead i do like them but uh after the burial after the burial yeah cool yeah even better yeah, we just did cool. an episode on them a few weeks uh, a few months ago Dude, they have some pretty sick riffs, and I, I was actually, like, super blown away. Like, yeah, it, it was cool. It was a good time. Well, speaking of riffs, let's uh, let's get into the showdown a little bit here. Um, I'm going to kind of start off a little bit without retreading too much of what we talked about whenever we did the episode. But, you know, the first time I heard the showdown, um, a friend of mine, a really good friend of the show, Buddy, he went to a Christian bookstore <laughs> and... 
because that's how we bought albums back then, you know? And um, he's like, yeah, I got this album by a band called The Showdown. I haven't listened to it yet. Do you want to come over and listen to it with me for the first time? You know, and uh, I was like, well, what does it look like? Like, what's the cover artwork, you know? And he's like, well... It's got like, it looks like this like Lord of the Rings, like Black Rider thing. Like it looks like it's on the field of battle, you know? He's like, I knew it was a metal album. He's like, but I, he, he goes, and I, he goes, the only reason I bought it is I turned around, I turned it over and it said produced by Bruce Fitzhugh, uh, you know, of Living Sacrifice. And so he's like, so I knew I had to buy it, you know? So he, you know, he brings it home and we listened to it and we were like completely blown away because we were like, Oh my god, dude, like these guys do like all the good metal shit, you know, like uh like deep growls, some some nice singing, some uh really awesome guitar leads, just I mean riffs out the ass. I mean it was just, you know, it was absolutely what we needed as fans at that time cuz we we grew up as like Christian scene kids, you know, so like we didn't really hear metal at large, you know, before that too much. And so we were like right whoa, dude, this is like really intense stuff. So we started doing research on the band online and we were like, what? so apparently this band started off as a ska band or like, you know, and yeah. all that stuff. And so uh, having you in person, uh, I just want to get a little bit of history on that. Like what got, you know, like, I, I guess like formation of the band and like when you joined and like what, what it was at that time. Yeah, no, we were like a uh, B and uh Travis had played guitar in the showdown. We were like, you know, like us, we have been friends since second grade and um, started playing in the drum line together in middle school and uh, played in the drum line in high school. And like our senior year, we got into like, I got this drum set and like he got this guitar and like, you know, he would like play like along with this like Leonard Skinner tape that he rented from Flip Video. And, like, we were just jam, like, sex and candy and stuff. And then, like, eventually, like, we got into, like, punk rock and, like, you know, got hooked up with these guys and this band called 2540. And, like, we joined. So we were, like, a punk band for, like, I guess, like, 1999 until started getting, like, more and more into metal around 2002, 2003. And, you know, then we kind of, like punk and metal at the same time and it just by the time that we did chorus we were just like totally about that metal life you know what i mean yeah i mean that's where we you know we just started off like oh we're gonna put a breakdown in this song that's gonna be so cool and then you know the next thing you know we're just like straight thrashing (laughs) (laughs) it does it does happen like that i mean especially like when you're starting with punk, I mean, it's not that big of a jump to throw some distortion on there, you know, and like really make it heavy, like beef it up, you know? Yeah. And like, I don't know, we were always into like, when we were playing a punk band, like Slick Shoes was like the top for us. Like we thought that Burnout was sick. Um, like Jackson was like sick because he like, always played like 80s licks and like they were just so shred and um you know so it was like you know we started getting into other stuff and like our guitar player josh like that was in our band he was in the punk version of the showdown as well and he was like always listening to metal like 
Pantera and like Dillinger Escape Plan and like all this stuff and like we were straight up pop punk band. I, I mean, I could not believe that that he would look. I thought he was joking. So like he had this Pantera tape and like we were like on this trip and he put it on. I was like, you've got to be kidding me! Like it was so far from what I was into, and it's just like I don't know. We just got more and more into it, especially like with the solid state bands. Like I started seeing Under Oath a lot. You know, got into Zayo and like just all those bands, like kind of bridged the gap, I guess, from started getting even into bands like 238, just like really just like expanded my horizon, like on music in general, like started getting into a lot of different things and it's a good time. So you would say starting out, um, you were not what you would call yourself a metal fan before the band or was that something that just kind of generated with kind of the um i guess the peer pressure of having friends that were into metal you know yeah i mean that for sure and i mean i I definitely wasn't like at first like a huge metal fan but I, i i don't know like you know going to cornerstone 2001 and seeing all of the bands like you know especially this this band that we saw, I saw on the, the Let's Jet stage. They were called Ana Avea. <laughs> they were so sick. Oh, my God. And, dude, that's, a, that's a deep cut. I love that band. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, man, you know, like, this is awesome. And so so there was, like, a time where I was like, yeah, I was, like, split. Like, I loved, like, Zayo. I loved Under Oath. But I also still love punk rock. Like, I've always liked both. But... Yeah, it was kind of uh, just one of those natural progression things where, you know, we ended up playing with our dr- the drummer on course of obliteration. Like we were in this weird spot where our drummer that was playing with when we were punk, he wasn't really playing with us anymore. Like he just kind of moved on to get married. And I, I guess we kind of thought the band was kind of like over maybe. But um, yeah, like our, he was just like so capable of playing metal. And he was super metal. So it just kind of, and Josh loved metal and like we, it just kind of happened. You know what I mean? So, with the, you know, one of the big things is one of the big bullet points for me was the produced by Bruce Fitz here. You know, you guys had, you guys had transitioned into being a metal band and you had these songs written that would eventually become a chorus of obliteration. What was the process like for you guys getting signed? I know being signed with mono versus stereo, that was not really a label that was like synonymous with metal bands, like, like brutal metal bands. Like, um, I think they had like, at the time they had like what staple was one of their heavy bands. And that band wasn't like, they weren't what they weren't the showdown. You know what I mean? Like they weren't heavy like that. So what was the process of getting in touch with that label and uh, eventually getting Bruce Fitzhugh to produce? Well, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Cause like, the the Monoverse Stereo, we we actually our first tour was with Staple. Um and they were on Flickr Records. So like right. Monoverse Stereo was like a offshoot of Goatee uh records. And um the guy that you know was working at Goatee wanted to do his own thing and he had this band called the Evan Anthem, which they're really sick band. They're yeah. kinda like uh you know, just rock, like, you know, I guess emo rock or whatnot. But um, he put this compilation out and it actually, um, you know, had 
embraced, which was awesome back in the day. And, uh, the Uriah Oman, which went on to be he's legend and like a bunch of bands were on that compilation. And like, he found us on mp3.com and, uh, one of our songs was on that compilation and kind of was where we were like with our old drummer where we were, we were still like punk rock, but we were like kind of metal trying to do this whole thing. You know what I mean? And, um, he just, I, I was working at hot topic at the time and going to college and like I booked shows and like, you, you know, like had been to tons of shows, seen bands that I thought were just awesome play for like 20 people. And like, I guess at the, at the time I was like, you know, 23 or 24. And I was just like, I, I mean, he would call me like I would be work and I would just be like, yeah, I don't, I don't really know. Like he wanted to sign us. And it was just like, I, I didn't even really like take it serious. I, I didn't, I don't know. For me, it was just like, I, I guess I was kind of like, we had played so hard and so long and played so much like regionally and like tried to do this thing. You know what I mean? And it was just like, I don't know. And, and eventually like he was like, Hey, you know, we sent him these new demos that we had done with Andrew and he was just like all for it. And he was like, yeah, let's, let's, get Barry Pointer to produce it and like get, or, you know, Bruce fits you to produce it or Barry Pointer to record. And I was just like, but what? Like, <laughs> that's like, that's legit. <laughs> I was like, all right. Okay. You know, I think everybody was, it was just like, yeah, let's, let's do that. I'll put my life on pause for that. That's like a dream come true right there. Like, you know, he had done my favorite records. Like I love, that Zayo record he did, you know, like it's just like, what in the world? So yeah, we just kind of like basically all just kind of stopped our lives and just recorded chorus. And, and like Brad from Monteversary kind of made that happen. Um, you know, those connections put the music in, in Bruce's hands and it just kind of worked out. And like, we didn't end up doing it with Barry. We ended up doing it with, uh, uh, a buddy of ours, Jeremiah, who he recorded Backbreaker and ended up like playing in the showdown and recording Blood in the Gears. So it was just kind of like, you know, it was, a, it was a good time. It was definitely like a life changing experience for sure. So what was it like with uh, with Bruce kind of, I guess, Bruce produced it so he didn't do the engineering. He just kind of came in and I guess was like a guide for you guys or. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. He did. He, I mean, he like you know, helped us, you know, would like approve the takes and like help us get, you know, the sounds and would like kind of give us some direction. I mean, for the most part we had like everything written, um, but it was just like so special to like have him there. You know what I mean? It's just, it, it was just like, um, I, we knew we wasn't going to steer us wrong. And, um, so yeah, it was just like, that was really, really cool. I wish they would. I wish that we could have, you know, had it mixed by somebody crucial. But like, I'm proud of that record and just the process and like working with Bruce. It was sick. Yeah, man, it's definitely one of my favorites. I mean, it's still like it's nostalgic, but at the same time, like I can still put it on and I feel like it still can sit toe to toe with a lot of the stuff that I listen to, you know. And um, it was it it blew us away because, I mean, at that time, I mean, even though you guys had had, I mean, even though like. Uh, living sacrifice at that time, I think 
if I'm if my brain is correct, Living Sacrifice was uh, broke up, you know, and um, you had like we were always looking for like that next band that was gonna step up and do the metal thing in Christian music at least, like that Living Sacrifice had done, you know, with their insane career, you know, as far as um, you know, I know they didn't get as much recognition as they probably deserved, but um. You know, th- we were always looking for that next band, like who's going to fill that living sacrifice void of like playing like real metal with like good riffs and, and breakdowns and good solos and, you know, all that stuff. And I think at the time, I remember thinking it was like you guys and Becoming the Archetype were like the only bands, you know, that we felt like were doing that and Soul Embraced and Soul Embraced. But Soul Embraced was like a side project. So, like, I considered them part of Living Sacrifice in a way. But, uh, you know, like, so when, when a chorus of obliteration came out, I was like, oh my God, this is it. Like this, this might be okay. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, like we're going to, we're going to move on and we're going to be, you know, we're going to have these bands. Cause, um, and one of the things I kind of wanted to get into, um, if you're comfortable talking about it was, was the Christian metal aspect of it. You know, were, were you guys like, you know, I mean, obviously if you look at the lyrics on, um, the course of obliteration, they've definitely kind of fit in that Christian metal vein as far as um, having biblical references to them. And this is not a Christian podcast, so like I'm not going to get too deep into it. But like, basically, like, were you guys like stoked about being the next big Christian metal band, or was that even a goal of yours from the beginning, or was it just kind of something that just you guys like it just happened? Yeah, I mean, we just kind of like we were just did that i mean it really is just like a kind of a concept record about the old testament and um i I don't know i mean at the time we were kind of like old enough to we were just like we didn't think that you know especially with you know andrew who would never listen to any christian music at all it was just like that wasn't legit to him at all so it was like with us i mean I, i think our goals were to be like on tour with like like secular death metal bands. But I mean, we were all Christian Christians and like, you know, that, of course, yeah, we, we did Christian tours and it was awesome. Like, and, um, you know, continue to do that for sure. And <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it was definitely like by design that record, we didn't think we were going to be like the next striper or nothing like that or, I mean, we were open to like hanging out with people like, uh, you know, it's at the time, you know, just kind of saying like, oh, it was a life changing experience. Like, you know, I was finishing college. I had plans to go get a job. And I I just remember like, you know, just at at that time, like telling the girl I was dating and and my parents did not understand why would you just like, you know, you've spent all this time in school. It's just like, well, you know, like I don't really i'm never you're never gonna catch me in africa or like on some like mission trip to new york like passing out like pamphlets or nothing like that but like i don't know like i feel like this is like my chance to do what i do and to like didn't have any like intentions of going out to like save souls or nothing like that but you know just to i don't know you know this is what we're about like you know we're about fun and jams and yeah we're christians and i don't know sure so at the time was it the most honest thing you could do 
I struggle with art because everybody's wanting to know what the purpose is. And when I stop trying to create something that means something and do what makes sense to me, that's when I get my best stuff. That's when I get the best podcast or the best songs or even the best vocal takes out of him. (laughs) So if that's what you did, was it the most honest thing you could do? I would say so, because I mean, like, you know, looking back at like any of the other records or looking back, like we wrote that record before we had even an idea that we would be signed. Like I had never thought that I would go, I mean, just seeing bands that were touring and it would come through Johnson city, you know, I would just like, I, you know, I thought that's the life I wanted, but I don't really know if that's what I want to do. Like, like I do want to like get married and like have a job and stuff, you know, at some point. And I just didn't really, I never thought punk rock would pay the bills. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. We were doing Yeah. I mean, we were literally just doing that record, like in our spare time at this place called the Rambus. We shared this practice space with this, uh, mullet band called tab 10. And, uh, yeah, we just played like local shows, like with the showdown. So yeah, I, I would, I think so. Yeah. I mean, most of that record was written and the lyrics were written and I never thought we would ever record it just because it was like fast metal. And it's just like, as hard as it was to get a decent recording when we were playing punk rock or even just when me and Travis were just playing acoustic guitars, just like, yeah, you know, you got the bones for that. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I feel you a hundred percent. So like, what was the, what was the reaction like after you guys had recorded the record and put it out? You know, were you, were you surprised at how well it was received? Like, cause I mean, I, I would imagine, you know, and like Joe and I were in a band, we put out a record and you know, it didn't like really catch on, but like in, in the case of, of, of your record, you know, what was it like after you recorded it, you know, put it out, went through the whole process were you surprised at how it was received? Cause it must've been like going from zero to 60. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, it was a surprise for sure. Like, I, I mean, as far as like across the United States, like, man, I couldn't even believe like that we would put out a record and people would care about stuff. I mean, we played all over the South as 2540 and even as showdown, like in the South. So, you know, those places that we played, like in Kentucky, like London, Kentucky, Hazard, Kentucky, like different places, like, you know, around the South, like those people really supported us. Cause I think they just thought it was cool that like a band had like that played all of the shows. Like, and we still continue to go and play in those places till the very end, you know, like we got a lot of support from those areas. Cause we played there since we were playing punk rock. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, to go to Cornerstone, like, the first time we played Cornerstone and sold, like, tons of shirts and, like, tons of people, we were like, oh, my gosh, you know, like, I hope that people come see our show. And there was people there, like, just playing Cornerstone was, like, awesome. But, like, we had a packed tent. We were just like, dude, this is it. <laughs> you know? I mean, like, this is the coolest thing that could ever happen. Like, it, I mean, it definitely, like, blew us away. Like, nothing that we expected i i don't think i i know i did not yeah it's definitely kind of a different thing where you're like you know because i'm even that way with the podcast you know like we we sent a uh, a youtuber that's relatively popular like has almost like a million followers 
I remember sending him a message a couple of months ago and being like, hey, man, uh, I think it'd really be really cool if you did an interview on our podcast or whatever and like didn't really think anything of it. You know, I was like, and I, so I gave him this like big laundry list of like people we've talked to to like try to impress them or whatever, you know, like it'd be this big deal. And, um, he sends me a message back and says, dude, I'm a huge fan of your podcast. I listen, you know, all the time or whatever. And I remember being like, you're just, you're bullshitting me. Like, there's no way, you know, like, you know, cause of like what we do in our, cause we do this in our spare time, you know, we don't like really get like paid to do a podcast, you know? But what was funny about it is I remember kind of having that same experience that I remember being in a band and and making demos and passing them out to people and, you know, flyers and shirts and stuff. And uh, so I always I always find that aspect of of a band's career to be very interesting where you get to a point where you're like, you know, on on Friday, it's just me promoting all of this. And then, you know, come Monday or Tuesday. (laughs) <laughs> all these people suddenly have heard it, you know, and, uh, that's, that's gotta be like, just, I mean, it, it, it transforms you. It transforms your mind in a way, I think. And, um, you know, I mean, I, I want to say at that point, I mean, you guys, you guys toured pretty, pretty extensively after, after that came out, didn't you? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was weird. We, we, we like went on tour with, uh, staple and mortal treason and, um, I mean, I can even remember doing that, like, tour, just being like, golly, I don't know if we'll ever be able to do this again. Or, you know, it was just kind of like one of those things where it was just like, you know, wow. Like, I, I just remember thinking, like, oh, when we get back home, like, after Christmas, like, what am I going to do, you know? Like, right. <laughs> I don't even, like, I quit like, my job it, to go on this tour, or I took an extended leave or something. Yeah, and I mean, it, it was just like, you know, the next thing you know, like, we went back on tour with, and becoming the archetype and. Uh, point zero who is now war of ages was on that tour. And then the next thing, you know, we're like going on tour with becoming the archetype again and showbread. And then it was just like nuts, you know what I mean? And then by that summer we got to tour with showbread and blindside again or showbread again. And then blindside, which was nuts. It was like a two month tour. And before that we did like an extensive tour with, becoming the archetype and X toll. So it was just like, what is happening? You know, it was just like, it never stopped. And it was just like, it was super crazy. I mean, we'd never printed a t-shirt until we went on our very first tour. I mean, we were on that tour with blindside and somebody, I don't even know who, but they were just like, man, you guys really should like make a MySpace, (laughs) dude, you know? I mean, and it was like, we were on the biggest tour, Biggest tour, probably one of the best tours ever that we've ever done. We've done some pretty cool tours like after that, but that was like a pretty special tour. That was like, it was like super legit. I mean, we were all big Blindside fans and like they were huge and we're somehow on this tour and didn't even have a MySpace. I don't even know, you know, how that works. Then like, you know, a year later, it's like, how many friends do you have on MySpace is the only thing that matters. Right. Yeah, that's the funny thing, too. I remember because when A Course of Obliteration came out, we listened to it. We loved it. And we were like, there's no information about this band online at all. Like, there's nothing. <laughs> like, it, you know, it's like, and, and you know, being being the elitist underground metal assholes that we were at the time, and you still am <laughs> to a certain extent, you know, I, I was like, you know, 
I'm the only person that knows about this band, you know, which wasn't true, you know, <laughs> at all. Cause like I bought it in a fucking store, you know what I mean? Like the only, the only, right. right the only, the only way you know about a band and you're the only person is if you bought it like at a show or something, you know, and it's on a CDR or something, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we were huge fans of that record. And, and from our perspective, from the, from the fan perspective, we, I was like, oh my god, this is the next big like Christian metal band. Like, this is the band that's gonna like carry it on. And um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna fast forward a little bit, you know, for the sake of time, and say, you know, so whenever you guys came into Temptation, I guess my question would be what the mindset was behind, like, because I I think it's obvious, like listening to that record, that you guys didn't want to do the same thing again. You know, you didn't want to, you didn't want to release the exact same record. And, uh, I think whenever we described it on the podcast, we said like, it sounds like they just started listening to only Pantera and Motley Crue and somehow combined the two into one album. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I definitely have an answer for that. Um, to answer your original question about, you know, we didn't want to make the same record. It really honestly happened on accident. Like, there were just some things that happened to us like throughout up until that point that literally I think it made us like just insane. Like then, you know, we're playing tours and then the we played this like Roadrunner showcase, like still remember your first starting out. This uh AR guy Mike Gitter was there and he was just like wanted to talk to us after the show stuff you know like oh yeah you got gonna be the next whatever but you know it's weird hearing that stuff especially when you're just trying to you're just trying to jam and survive you know you want to hear that you love that like it's like man oh wow it would be awesome if i could actually do this and like make money and like (laughs) you know what i mean yeah absolutely that would be tight and he's like oh yeah they've got this producer that i want you got guys to go down and, and, and work with and I think it'd be great to go make some demos and and I guess they worked it out with Mono versus Stereo or, or whatnot and so we ended up going to Memphis and recording uh, I Victim, Breath of the Swamp and then this other song with uh, Paul Ebersold and man we got down there we just clicked with Paul and you know he was like awesome and you know we, we, he was he had like produced hits and three doors down and all these bands and you know we just we just went we were just on that ride you know what i mean we came out with like three like radio rock songs and we were just like you know we had a blast doing it and like we love 80s metal like for sure like we listened even when we're you know we we're listening to warren uncle tom's cabin is one of our you know that's always the one we would throw on all of these 80s metal songs so it's just like he was pulling that out of us and like that, you know, he was like actually like producing like, you know, song structures and this and that and the other. And it was like the first time we heard ourselves on, on tape like that. And we were just like, cool, you know, and we were into it and it was fun. Um, you know, whereas give us this day was the next song we wrote after course of obliteration, which we recorded give us a stay for like a European release of course. And then we re-recorded it for backbreaker, but that's kind of like where we were going. And then we had this like random, like just like curveball thrown at us. And we end up with Paul and 
Speedo. I don't know how much it cost, but it cost a lot of money. Uh, I, I think they spent like a lot of money for us to record with him and then get it mixed with J.R. McNeely, which is a dream come true. I mean, you know, all that stuff. Like doing uh, Carry On My Way With Son was like Paul's thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, he like really wanted us to do that. And, you know, I was kind of like, oh, I don't know about it. You know, it's still kind of <laughs> weird for me, but it's weird because it's like triple digital platinum on Spotify. And I'm just like, what in the world? Yeah. Like I still, I guess I'm into that, you know, whatever. But it's just like, it was just a trip. <laughs> yeah. We are very critical of cover songs on this podcast, and that's mostly from our personal preference. You can either play the song the way it was written, or you can do something totally original. But if you butcher a cover, it's like, okay, really, did we need another cover in the air tonight? Dude, you nailed it. Yeah, I was going to say, we you nailed yeah, it. We didn't hate it for sure. I think the exact thing that I said on the podcast was it's a really good cover. I don't know if we needed it, but it was a really good cover. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I feel you. I, I don't know if we really needed it either. I'm glad we did it. I mean, I'm pretty proud of our DC Talk cover. I'm going to be honest. Oh, yeah. Dude, that, was, <laughs> that shit was spot on. Yeah. Speaking of Warren, does it bother you as much as it bothers me that the record was called Uncle Tom's Cabin until they wrote Cherry Pie because they had to? It's a great song. It's a great song. Dude, that the riffs in Uncle Tom's Cabin are just like legit. Yes, <laughs> like people just don't even—they need to literally rednecanize it. I, I don't even get it. Just take know? Cherry Pie off the record and listen to everything else. It sounds great. <laughs> you don't need it. Yeah. No, <laughs> Dude, I'll tell you another one that we were into was that Skid Row record with like. Um, the monkey on my back and like all that, you know, when they went and through this, like they were almost Pantera, but they were eighties metal. That was huge for us. Love that. We're slave to the grind. Gosh, mm. he's been in a hardcore mm. fix lately. Well, not lately for the entire previous 20 years of his life, for like but my whole life. I'm yeah. trying to get him to do a Motley Crue episode. I'll do it eventually, <laughs> dude. I got to put myself in the right mindset for it, you know? And that, <laughs> that actually leads to my next question a little bit too, is that like, so you put out a course of obliteration and you know, whenever you're putting out temptation that it's not going to sound like that. And, um, and I'm not trying to make this question sound accusatory. I apologize if it comes off that way. Um, hang on, dude, you, I got you. You knew that you had, Oh, he put on my serious lights. Okay. Uh, you knew that you had, um, you know, kind of this, or maybe you knew, I'm assuming you knew, was that, you know, people that were into bands like Living Sacrifice and Between the, or, I'm sorry, not Between the Buried, well, maybe Between the Buried Me, uh, but Becoming the Archetype and um, bands like that, that it was like such a brutal sound on chorus that when Temptation came out, you knew it wasn't going to have the same level of brutality, which is true and not true and that like some of the riffs on temptation are like fucking i mean like really really get up your butthole in a certain sense you know like as far as uh, as far as heaviness goes but uh did you ever think that or, or were you thinking about like fans of like brutal like heavy stuff are gonna be maybe irritated or maybe not will may, maybe not receive the record as well because they're used to a certain level of brutality from the band based on the last record. We had, we didn't care. Like we, we really didn't. And, and I don't know, you know, it's just like, we just had like 
whenever whenever we showed those demos to Roadrunner, and they were just like, Ugh, they're just too radio. That's not what we meant when we said more accessible. Said the people that like, signed Nickelback. Yeah, we're just like, no, no, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're 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 all in this now, like. <laughs> we're 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 teamed up with paul we're complete psychos like you know and, and we just thought you know there's no living in 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 the underground anyways so screw it let's get on the radio and like we love this stuff anyways like i don't know it just kind of like happened it, it really just happened like i mean we we wouldn't have been able to make that record without paul uh, you know, there's no way. I mean, absolutely not. I mean, we would have had chorus of obliteration too. Which yeah, you know, you, guys like me that do like opinion pieces on albums, like and this is where we throw out all the time the idea of an unpleasable metal fan, in the sense that like if you guys had put out obliteration too, I'd have been like, yeah, man, it's really cool, but you know, it sounds just like the last <laughs> record. I mean, what the hell? And then whenever you put out obliteration, I'm like. Well, how come it doesn't sound like the last record? What the hell? You know, like, so there's no, you know, like, like to, to come at it from the perspective of, you know, what are the fans going to think? The fans are going to think whatever they're going to think. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it shouldn't, it should definitely shouldn't affect what you do and what, what the inspiration that you have at the time is it, because you're never going to please, you're never going to please dudes like me a hundred percent. But like, no matter what you do, like if you do the same thing again, I'm going to criticize you for not being original. And then if you do something, um, you know, something different, I'm going to be like, what the hell? They do something different, you know? So that was the interesting thing about that record for me is I've gone through so many phases with it as, cause like we were, I mean, when we heard a course of obliteration, we were showdown fans, you know, for life, like it didn't matter, you know? And then we listened to temptation and I remember at first because I was a lot younger and being like, well, what the hell? Why is it not as heavy as yada, 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 yada? And then a buddy of mine was like, yeah, but you got to listen to the riffs and the tuning and stuff. It actually is just as heavy, but the, <laughs> but the vocal, but the vocal production is different. You know, uh, the way, the way the product is presented is different. So like, if you have a love for eighties metal, but you want to hear it with like a modern metal sheen, you get that too. You know, I think I've got him trained. Yeah, he's trying hard. <laughs> uh, I'm definitely like the the brutality guy on the podcast, and he's more of the like, yeah, but you got to listen to the riffs and what's actually being played, you know, and uh, and so like that that was definitely like a record that was very like different for me, but at the same time, um, I feel like it was a really cool kind of diversification of what the showdown could do. It was almost like you guys were writing us an essay on what metal was, you know, like <laughs> metal, metal was super brutal and super heavy and then super like catchy. Like there was a point where there was a point where metal was a catchy mainstream genre. And I feel like that record really captures that. Yeah. And I mean, that's what we were, you know, I loved metal whenever I was like little, you know, all the, all the bands on MP, you know, I, I would stay in front of the TV like all day just to like, you know, see like such and such like Nelson video or, you know, uh, you know, not that they're like metal, but, you know, just like, you know, or Def Leppard video, you know, that 
especially, you know, pour some sugar on me. It was always on. And, you know, anytime you went to Mr. Gaddy's, you know, it was on, but I love that stuff. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It was just, uh, it was a good time to be able to like do that. Now. And that, and that was a big part of our reaction to the scene in general, like, just the hardcore scene and, and, and that whole thing, which is, I kind of think of like chorus was the same way. It's just like, I don't know. Like we just didn't want to fit into that. We didn't want to be the band that, you know, just played breakdowns and, you know, I don't know. It, it's like, I got into punk rock and like heavy metal and like all that stuff because like of the community, you know what I'm saying? And it's like the more that I played shows and the more that I went to shows and, you know, more it's like, well, is this a click? You know what I'm saying? Like, so what if this bro has on a tool shirt? Like, can he not be like cool too? I, I don't know. Like, yeah, it's just, it's just, I guess that's just my mindset back then. Just like, I don't want to have anything to do with that. Sure. Nobody, nobody likes elitism. You know, nobody likes... <laughs> When somebody's like, well, dude's wearing a tool shirt. Cause like, that's Joe, you know, that's my co-host, you know, like Joe, Joe's going li- to wear the shirts of the bands that he likes. And it yeah. doesn't mean that the band that he's there to see, he doesn't like, it's just, it's just the idea that like, yeah, I like stuff that might be considered mainstream. It and, doesn't mean I'm not going to jump off the PA. Well, yeah. I mean that, <laughs> cause I mean, I'm gonna there's a reason that those bands are popular, you know, like it's not, it's clearly not because they suck. You know, I mean, there's, there's obviously, you know, exceptions to that rule, but you know, at the same time, you know, like, yeah, it, it definitely does get clicky. And then like, I agree with that a hundred percent because, you know, guys like me, unfortunately I've been guilty of it. Like, Oh, well, you know, the, like, like, you know, a band that you mentioned, uh, he is legend. how, they went from being a band that kind of played like a hardcore, like scene kid kind of sound. And then eventually branched out to playing like Southern rock and like hard rock. And, but like those records are solid gold. You know what I mean? Like they're great, you know, for sure. And you know, like obviously they, they knew what they were doing, (laughs) you know, beyond whatever the scene kids, you know, the teeth and nail kids probably jump ship, as soon as they put out their third record, you know, like, and like, yeah. in, like I was saying with the showdown, you know, maybe some scene kids jumped off whenever temptation come my way comes out. And, um, that can be frustrating if you're the kind of person that just trolls the internet and looks around at like what people say, but I'm sure like album sale wise and you know what people are, cause really at the end of the day, I hate to say it, but how it sells really determines <laughs> you know uh w- what it means and was that was that ever a factor for you or was it just like a was it just kind of a labor of love like you were like we put this record out we're proud of it we're going to support it and that's the end of the story yeah i mean it, it it was we definitely like supported it and back it i mean i still back it um i still i still like that record a lot you know but i mean as far as you know, the doors that it opened for us, like we got to do um, OzFest and, you know, we got to go on tour with, you know, bands that like Shadows Fall and, and all the remains and um, we got to go on tour with the cult and just like all of these bands 
it just opened a lot of tours, you know, open doors, got us on tours. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, there was a positive to that change. I mean, it, it was a risk for sure. Um, we didn't really see it as a risk. We were just like listening to, you know, Paul's telling us it rules, you know, yeah, we're having fun. You know, we're getting ready. We're getting to stay in a hotel in Memphis for a month and we're like grilling out every day and like doing this experience that, you know, we never, we hadn't had before and we never had after. Cause it was like, you know, the music business kind of clamped down and people just didn't spend as much money anymore. So it was like super special time, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely like, it, it was a kind of a curveball, I, I guess, but I mean, you know, we didn't become, you know, mega stars or anything like that. I, we finished up Ozfest and, um, uh, I think we made $11. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, so, I hear you. Like, That's podcast money right there. <laughs> yeah man but it's all but it's awesome i mean that's punk rock yeah yeah and you I get mean, to tell dude, people you, you played Ozfest. yeah gonna, <laughs> i mean you're not gonna you know you're not gonna there's a couple unicorns but i mean you're not gonna be i mean for the most part i mean you play metal you play punk rock because you love it because you believe in the community because you know that's a place that accepted me and a place that i fit when I really didn't honestly feel like I fit anywhere, I didn't have anything that was my own. And, and that's really like just where I, what I grew up in, like, you know, my last year of high school and then like on, you know, just becoming the person that I am today. Like, so yeah, I'm into it. So moving, moving forward ahead a little bit, let me try that again, (laughs) moving forward a little bit. Um, you know, when, uh, backbreaker came out, this is where, you know, the scene kid in me activated again, you know, in the sense of like, Oh my God, this shit's really heavy, you know, like, and it was, uh, and I had found out that you guys had signed with solid state, you know, uh, I think it was solid state on backbreaker. My dude, my brain is is a complicated place, but uh, yeah, I think yeah. So backbreaker was solid state, if I'm correct. And um, so, did you guys like? Did you only sign a two album deal with Mono versus Stereo, or was that something that Solid State kind of negotiated to get the band on their label? I think that like you know we were just like such a pain to Mono versus Stereo. <laughs> Which is really weird because, like, we I, I I have a sticker of that label on my car. I mean, I love Brad. I mean, he was like amazing. He loves whatever we wanted. <laughs> like, I mean, it was great. I mean, you know, they they put it all on black for Temptation. Like, that's awesome. But yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, we just we had I guess quite a bit of debt and like. Somehow it all worked out like we were working with managers and, you know, they basically were trying to get us, like I said, like all those people were coming to see our shows and we were just clouded with all that stuff. And we ended up going to um, Solid State. I I think they bought us out, Um, you know, and that that worked out well for us. So, you know, and it was a good move, like we were glad that they were interested because it was just like, 
you know, after after Ozfest, and we we went on tour with after Ozfest, we went right on tour with Shadows Fall right after, and we went right on tour with the Cult, and then you know we came back and we were just going to write a record, and you know things had just changed, and we knew that we weren't going to be able to have the opportunity to make a record with Paul again, and you know. I just remember talking to Josh and you know, just being like, you know, let's just thrash, dude. Like, <laughs> stew it ourselves and thrash and, you know, just do what we do. Like, we, you know, it's just not, it's not going to happen this time the way it happened last time. And we all knew that. And um, Travis, you know, ended up not being in the band for the, for the rest, like Backbreaker. And we did it as a four piece. And, you know, it, it just, it, it, happened the way it did we did it with jeremiah who recorded chorus and um you don't have a lot of fun doing that record as far as like i mean it was just all us you know we just worked really well with jeremiah i love recording vocals with jeremiah he's like a bomb to record vocals with and and you know he ended up like playing bass in our band and um you know for the blood and the gears and you know, it was just kind of like, well, you know, this is where we're at. And I felt very, like, lucky that we were able to go to Solid State, like, in Tooth and Nail. Because, you know, I, I love that label. Uh, a lot of my favorite bands were on that label. So it was a cool, like, especially now, just to be like, whatever, like, small percent, like, of that story that our band was, like, that we never thought we would even be on, like, a compilation for that record label. You know, to to be able to put out two records, and I mean that's cool. Yeah, I mean it's like a dream come true, and that like you listen to these Zao records growing up, you listen to these Embodiment records, you know, and have that feeling of like you know, wow, you know, we've kind of like truly kind of gotten to that point where Solid State makes sense for a band like The Showdown. You know, it makes sense for everything that they that they've kind of built as a label. And one of the things, you know, like I personally, like I really liked Backbreaker because um, I was, well, this is just straight up. I was really into like the God of War games, the video games that were on uh, <laughs> PS2 and stuff. And so whenever I started seeing the track titles, because I followed Back Backbreaker from like when you guys announced it to, you know, when it finally came out. And I was really, really into the whole Greek mythology side of it. And I thought that that was really cool. Like it was super metal, you know, to like, you know, take these concepts where I don't feel like enough bands really cover that, that mythology, but then, you know, you've got a band that's widely considered to be a Christian metal band, how you're mixing the concepts of Greek mythology with some of the Christianity angle. I don't think the Christianity angle was like super blatant, you know, on that record, but at the same time, like, um, I had become kind of disenfranchised with a lot of that stuff at that time, you know? So I was like all about like a creative, <laughs> you know, a, a creative response to that. And so, you know, when you say it wasn't fun to record necessarily or fun to produce necessarily, but like it definitely hit me in a sweet spot where, you know, um, being, uh, being a hardcore scene kid, of course, you know, I'm going to react to it better than the last record because it's heavier, you know, it's more, uh, more thrash, like you said, you know, it's more, you know, into, in, in, into that heavy pocket that, you know, a lot of people were that loved about the first record. And, um, you know, as far as the Greek mythology concept behind it, um, 
was that something that you had put a lot of thought into or was that something that, you know, kind of just kind of just happened where it was like, oh, this might be cool or was it like a like kind of a passion project from the beginning? I mean, all that was really Josh. Like, that's his thing. Like, hands down, like he 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 was all about that life. And and you know, we just kind of let him like roll with it. Um because like, you know, the lyrics, I like how the lyrics kind of tied back to the mythology, but like also like, you know, made sense for our lives. And, uh, you know, it's just, I, actually that that's probably, I, I love that record as far as like coming out of temptation. Like I, I had the most fun doing backbreaker. I think yeah. like, yeah, I mean, that was the, the most fun. Cause it was just like, we were doing it with Jeremiah. We were doing it at his house in his basement. You know, we were, there was a struggle there where like there was a struggle when we recorded and when we wrote chorus that you can't fake like, and, and there's a, you know, you can't, you can only do a record like temptation when you're grilling out fresh market every day. Right. Unfortunately. Sure. Like, (laughs) I mean, I don't know how to say it any other way, but I mean, it's just like, well, you know, good times, whatever, whatever. But, you know, it's like we're back to the basement. Like, we're having fun. Like, we're, you know, uh, you know, making tater tots and just trying to be heavy and just, I don't know. Like, it's just, it was a good time, you know. Like, I loved it. And, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a, I'm glad that we, I'm glad that we just kind of went back to the drawing board with some things. Like, I, I'm sad that we didn't do it. I'm sad that Travis wasn't involved, you know, because like him and I did, oh, I mean, we just have always been friends. We've always played music together and it was kind of bizarre, you know, to like do music without that dude that I've chilled with since like second grade. So, I mean, that was kind of wild, but you know, at the same time, like, I think it's cool. Cause I mean, it really let Josh, that's Josh's thing. Like that is 100% Josh, no influences. Like, and I think that he did a good job. Like, I think he really did a good job. Like as far as like, you know, his playing and his ideas and, you know, his solos, like he doesn't really do eighties metal solos like Travis does. But at the same time, it's like kind of going against that. Like we don't do that anymore anyway. So screw it. <laughs> like, Sure. No, I get it. And like, I love that record so much. Like if you knew how many hours I spent playing, there was, <laughs> there was two video games. There was uh God of war, you know, cause that's all, you know, I don't know if you played the God of war games or not on, on the PlayStation, but they are all Greek mythology based and like, you're just killing dudes left and right. So you can, like, if you can imagine like how that fits <laughs> with, yeah. with 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 listening to a record like Backbreaker, where the theme is the same, and you know the intensity of the music matches the like you're just killing people with like blades on chains, you know, like it's just uh, it's incredible. <laughs> and then there was another game I played called Titans Quest, which was on the on the on the computer, and uh, that's also an equally uh, Greek mythology. Like you slay all the gods like yourself, and like it's. It's it's stupid, but it's fun, and um, I listened to a lot of Backbreaker during that one too, 
And so that record definitely always will have a special place in my heart because of like a mixture of it being Greek mythology themed also with those games. And, um, you know, and I've listened to the record so much like when we did that, when we did the episode on the bands, like usually when we do an episode on bands, I'll listen to all of their music within a week before we do the podcast. And, um, in that case, I was like, nope, not necessary. <laughs> like I've got it. You know what I mean? Like I've, I've got it at least, at least for backbreaker, you know? And, um, you know, that record obviously being a lot heavier in the sense of like, um, you know, heavier riffs, breakdowns, screams, gutturals, you know, and, um, and that's one of my things that I love the most about the showdown is those guttural vocals. Um, the song, um, Aries, uh, I am vengeance is like still in my playlist of like when I, I have a, I have a playlist on Google play music called heavy shit <laughs> and, that, <laughs> and that always leads it off. You know, like that always, that, that like, um, you know, the, um, uh, oh God, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking here, but, uh, it's the, uh, uh like at a world that drew first blood, uh, pulsing with scorn, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> violence made flesh. I am vengeance. Like that is just like that's my get pumped up song. Like still to this day, and uh, and that that's what I I mean. I just I loved that record so much. Like almost in, uh, to an extreme extent. And um, you know awesome. one of the one of the things that I was wondering about that record was you know and it's it's totally a a, a playoff of the question I had about temptation was that. Was that record ever made in, in in an intention to kind of pull back the old fans from a course of obliteration, or was it just like this is where we are now, this is the current year, and we would just want to do this, or was it like a we need to we need to rein in some of those people that liked just the brutal stuff? No, I mean no, not really, because I I feel like that we had like quite a few people that. You know, we've made like quite a bit of fans, I guess, like that, like Temptation. So there were some people that didn't really care for Backbreaker. And um, I, it was just one of, yeah, it was just one of those things where it was just like, well, we're going to produce this ourselves. We're going to do, do it with Jeremiah. We're, we're just going to do this is the next thing for sure. Like it, it just, it was a natural place for us to go. Like, and, and really, like, I think that what we wanted to do. So, like, as far as, like, we just played Temptation live so much that it was just, like, exciting to do something different, you know? And, um, I mean, I think that, like, the managers that we had at the time, um, you know, the people that were working with our band didn't really care for that move. So, you know, they weren't very happy about it, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They wanted us to go like they thought that we were going to be like they were going to be able to like, you know, turn us into like the next, you know, sticks or whatever, which is weird. (laughs) I love sticks, by the way. It would have never happened. (laughs) Right, (laughs) right. I mean, (laughs) I mean. I don't know. See, we were made for the basement, man. We were, we were never made to open for Hinder. Well, at the end I of mean, the day, at the end of the day, you're a heavy metal band. <laughs> you know, and and that's the thing. 
that's the thing that that really always blows my mind about how some of these. It, <coughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> Let me try that again. That's the thing that a lot of these industry people don't really accommodate for. Is that like you're a heavy metal band, and the funny thing about heavy metal is that like it was really cool for a lot of people for like a decade. You know, like as far as mainstream music goes, but then it was yeah. like when these bands were like, I want to be heavy. Like, I don't think there's a lot of metal bands out there that are like, I don't want to be heavy or I don't want to be extreme. Like the whole point, the whole point of starting a heavy metal band is to kind of be against the system to a certain degree, you know, like, whereas people like to hear nice sing songy songs, but you know, these dudes, they want to write riffs. And they want to write, you know, like complicated guitar solos. And, the, you know, and it doesn't matter what era of metal you're from. It's literally just like we want to do something that's going to make people be like, oh, oh, wow. You know, versus <laughs> being like, oh, yeah, this song, you know, connected really strongly with my feelings, you know, or, you know, um, it's a song about a relationship. You know, there, there's not a single showdown song that's like, yeah, my girlfriend broke up with me and I'm pissed off about it. You know what I mean? Like, they, and if there is, it's like so overcoded in like metaphor that you wouldn't even pick it up, you know, <laughs> but like that, that's the thing that, that's the thing that always blows my mind about these, about these industry guys as they're like, how do we take this untamed animal and put it in a cage and make it just do the things that we want it to do? You know, which I mean, probably wasn't like that exactly, but you know what I'm saying? No, man. I mean, it was. I mean, they're all, man, they, people always want to tell you what to do. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's never, it's never what they want. Like, just like with the, man, I'm tripping over everything. This is crazy. You know, it's just like, you know, the dude from Roadrunner says, he says, it's too radio. You need to do more of this or right. whatever. Then, you know, we put that record out and do that record honestly shocked us when it came out. It was the best selling record we've ever put out. Sure. Like, I believe it. Yeah. First week was nuts. You know what I'm saying? Like, we were just like, holy smokes. And dude comes to see us at OzFest. It says we're disconnected with the crowd. What? Dude, you're disconnected. Were they moshing? Did they have their hands in the air? You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure they did. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> whatever. I mean, we 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 jammed. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I mean we weren't the best, but I mean, like, God, I mean, you know, you got a bunch of rednecks playing heavy metal, chugging monsters, and just really not caring. I mean, of course, that's. Ozfest people, that's what they are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm sure there wasn't anybody in the crowd that would have like sat down and been like, I don't know, man. I don't know about that showdown band. I just literally wasn't connected. Like, where do you where do you get ideas like that? You know what I mean? Like, well, we just don't really think that they were connected. And then, you know, yeah, you want to ask follow-up questions like, uh, how do you mean they weren't connected? Like, did they not like the riffs? Because they liked the riffs of all these other bands that played. And we have good riffs, you know, <laughs> like we've got good head banging, moshing <laughs> tunes. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, it wasn't like you were playing Ozfest and you were trying to play a style of music that was unfamiliar to the crowd. Dude, for <laughs> sure. I mean, I'm, I, I mean, we even threw a couple Pantera riffs in there just for, just for old, you know, yeah, for <laughs> measures. I mean, like, this. I mean, if anything, people were just like, 
you know, tripping out because like Behemoth was ripping up Bibles. And I think that they rock. Right. But I'm you know what I'm saying? Like that's more foreign to you know, Oshfest people, I guess. I don't know. I think they rock, but Yeah. No, I, I, I get you. I hear you a hundred percent. Like you, you hear things from people and I hear it too, like based on like we do a metal podcast and sometimes people think that like maybe the band that we talked about wasn't as metal as they thought that it should be or, you know, or that it wasn't you know, like everybody's got their own idea of what they think metal is. And like, it's always, it's vastly different. Like there's people that are like, yeah, I mean, Motley Crue is metal. And then I'm going to be all like, well, you guys need to listen to Cannibal Corpse. That's actual metal. You know? And like, it's so funny getting all these different opinions on things and they're using those opinions to kind of try to get you to make a decision musically that either doesn't make sense for you as an individual or doesn't really like, like doesn't really add up in what the actual crowd wants. And I'm not going to like spend this whole podcast talking about industry people and how they're wrong. I mean, clearly they, they know what they're doing to a certain extent, but I think, um, like, I think I agree with you in the sense that, like, you know, what what are you guys actually expecting? Like, did you hear our records? Did you hear what we do? Have you seen us play live? Like, this is what we do. You know, we play riffs, we jam out, we have a good time. And, I mean, the people that are there seem to enjoy it, you know? The only, th- I mean, yeah, I mean, Brandon Ebel never told me, like, don't tell jokes or, like, right, you know, don't don't do the metal horns or too much or whatever. Those church I mean, people might get upset about that. Yeah, he put the records out like, and I, and that, I'm thankful for that. But like, and that's why I still back to the nail, and I still back Solid State because they let you they let the riff breathe. Right. And these these other people they don't care. They just tell you what they think will make them money. Period. It's right. all based on what came out in the last three years and how people spent the most money on it. Yeah, I agree. It's like every industry in art, gaming, or otherwise, everything has that peak of where the technology hits. And then on the downslope, we're trying to innovate the next wave of technology. But then there's a second peak on the way down where you get the best stuff that exists in that era. It's almost like you guys started playing music because you like playing music, but on the downslope of everybody going into social media and buying their music online instead of buying it at the store, they were still trying to hold on to the MTV ideal of the previous 20 years. It's like, well, you're not connected with the crowd. The crowd had already changed, but they weren't paying attention to it. It's like, dude, like, that means that I'm not your next big thing. Uh, Whatever. Okay. (laughs) clearly you were because well the showdown i'll say it (laughs) yeah i mean dude like yeah we're just we're just jamming just being goofballs i i don't know yeah i mean we let some of that stuff you know i'm I'm not gonna lie dude we let some of that trash like get in our brains like the stuff that people would say and you know you know who doesn't want to hear that stuff like who doesn't want to hear like oh you're going to be on the radio or you know oh you're we're going to make a record that's better than such and such or you know who doesn't want to hear that but i mean at the end of the day like none of it's true it's like they tell the same lie to everybody and everybody <laughs> believes it <laughs> 
<laughs> it's like, man, like I, I, I used to literally have dreams that I was in under oath. Like, you know what I mean? Like when Dallas was in the band, like that's all I wanted to do. I was like, going to ask was, after the death metal phase. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, like during that dude, Christ of the past, Christ of the past was awesome. Um, one year at Halloween, I put that record on like our front porch and like just blasted the music. Like, and we, the trick or treaters loved it. That was a, that was a cool record. I like, changing of times too. I like actually every single thing that they've ever done. I'm a big fan, but you know, that's just me. I like the band. They've done some <laughs> things that I like to make fun of on a daily basis, mostly the emo stuff, but Dan picked a good time to come back to the table here. You realize he's talking up Christ from the past here, dude. I, I, of course I go favorite. to a break. He brings back one of my favorite records. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, catch me up, guys. So, what's this Christ of the Past talk that I that I clearly missed out on? Oh, he is praising Under Oath like they are the greatest thing ever. Well, I mean, that's kind of yeah. true, though, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan. I, I used to be, um, I used to like go to all their concerts. You know, would drive. Like one time, I almost fell asleep. I saw them in one city and drove to the next one. Like, you know, I would dream that i was in that band they were like my favorite band and <laughs> um you know it's just awesome i still love them i still think their records are awesome i actually just saw them our tour manager uh riley he is he tour manages them and he plays in the almost now and um you know it's just a trip like that's just a trip and i, I like pretty Pretty big fan. I mean, we 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 played that first almost record a lot in the Showdown band. Um, you know what I'm saying? It, it's just weird that he plays with them. It's like I was like, man, is it weird to play in that? You you play in that band, you know? It's just unbelievable. Right. Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing that I have to get over doing interviews for the podcast is like, you know, I'm like I'm gonna talk to this person that was in this band that I like listen to a embarrassing amount of times you know like just in my daily life and then i have to like come up with some kind of like interesting thing to say to them other than like dude it all kicked ass you know what i mean like and um <laughs> but yeah like with under oath dude i've i've been a huge fan since uh day one we did a we did an ep we did a under oath episode on the podcast a while back it was actually my birthday episode. So I was like super drunk when we were recording it, which was awesome. And I was like, uh, you know, this is so cool. But yeah, dude, like going, going back in their history, they're one of the most interesting bands in that. Like if you go back far enough in what they're doing, you're like, Oh wow. They were like a totally different thing when they started out, you know, being like more of a metal band as their base, you know, you got active depression, you've got Christ of the past, Cries of the Past being one of my favorite records of all time. And um, I don't feel embarrassed saying this, but whenever we had, um, we had Jason from Becoming the Archetype on our podcast a long time ago, and uh, we were talking about Living Sacrifice, but I, I had mentioned to Jason, I was like, hey, I did an interview with you on, um, on my old, because I used to have like an old uh, magazine that I did where I would interview bands, but it was like AOL. Like I'd send a list of questions and then they'd send a list of questions back. And, uh, 
he was like, oh, what was your email address? And I was like, it was cries of the past or cries from my past or something like that back because I was, I loved that. Yeah. He made fun of me hardcore for that. But like, uh, that, that was like the biggest record for me, uh, at the time. And I've still got it, dude. I've still got that original cries, cries of the past record. And that was the, that was the record that sold me on under oath is like, they're like the best band ever, you know? And um, they have not really disappointed me since. They've gone in different directions, but they have not disappointed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I've always been, I've always been like super stoked on them. I love. I think one of my favorite records of theirs is uh, "Lost in the Sound of Separation." Oh that, yeah, that that one just still. And I mean, I like all their records, but that record really just. It's so gnarly. It was like uh it was like their previous record before that, but like a little bit more visceral, you know, in places <laughs> like it was just yeah, I love that record a lot. And um I've talked so much about it, but like yeah, it's probably one of my favorites, like right up there with Cries of the Past, even though it's like a very different sound, you know. Mm-hmm. One one's like straight shred metal and the rest of it the other one is like more of like a hardcore or whatever, so this part of the conversation should make most of the people on the uh, labeled group nice and nice and happy, you know, <laughs> that, you know, yeah, we did it. We, we talked about under oath a little bit, so it's okay. I can, I can post this now and spam it on your group and it's fine. <laughs> Dude, right. And I don't understand, like all these people hate so much on under oath. And I'm just like, man, give me a break, man. People, people hate success. To a certain degree, you know, like, yeah. like, I'm not going to lie. Like when we did our episode on the showdown about temptation. I hated on it a little bit, you know, because people, <laughs> because people hate success. It's part of humanity, you know, and the fact that under oath did so many things right at so many different points in their career that people are just going to be like, yeah, I mean, I hated that they, that they started adding singing vocals to their music. Well, how do you expect anybody but like me and like, how do you expect anybody besides like maybe the three of us to listen to that? <laughs> you know, you know, so like they have to have that, you know, they have to have that stuff. I mean, it wasn't really well melodic done. singing as much as it was monotone, high pitched yelling, but well, we can yeah, go with but, it. <laughs> but, but then, but then you go off and you listen to the almost records that are just him singing and they're really good. You know, like it's not, um, it's not just what you're saying. Like, it's not just monotone singing, you know, like it's, it's actually really like heartfelt and like means a lot. And that's, that's what I love about under oath. I love under oath and everything like about them, like, like the side project and all of that, you know, even when Spencer went off and did his own, like, I think it was called sleep wave. Like I liked that too. Cause I mm-hmm. had been such a fan of the band at that point that I was just like, yeah, man, anything they do is, is cool. You know, like I'm, I'm into it. Do you, so like, are you hating on like monotone pitch screams? He, he is not me. <laughs> <laughs> we did, we did an episode on the podcast about the band Thursday recently. And I was like, oh man, I love that singing. I love all that. Cause like I, I'm a metal guy, but I'm also kind of like an emo guy. So like, I like, <laughs> I like both. Make sure you represent properly. And, um, just me, not, not Joe Thank over you. there, but, uh, <laughs> You know, like I was like, no, his singing's really cool and it's really heartfelt and it's really cool. And, you know, and he was like, dude, the guy can't sing. Like, what the, what's your problem? You know, and I'm like, he can't. I was like, no, he can't sing. It sounds really cool. It sounds different. And he's like, 
yeah, but like he can't sing, you know, it's like, well, and eventually I, it just turned into like, well, fuck you, dude. You know, like, I don't know what to tell you, you know, but, uh, I want to keep this a little bit more on track though, because we have not got through blood in the gears and then we can open up to whatever we want to talk about after that. But, uh, I, I just want to hear, but I do, but we have to remember, I want to hear your thoughts on magma by Kojira. You can hear that. I'll send you, I'll send you a link to, uh, I, I will actually send you a link to the episode we did on Gojira uh, after this. I'll send, I'll hit you up on Messenger. But uh, basically, uh, yeah, no, I like that record. I don't care. But I, I'm a big fan of that record personally. But yeah, dude, dude you're so metal down there. It's t- I love it, man. I love that record like a hundred percent. I'm turning off like 80% of our Christian listening audience right now, but you know, it happens. Um, I think most of the people on like labeled group probably like do drugs. They're, they're, know, pretty, they're pretty, they're pretty woke, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I take antidepressants. That's drugs, right? So <laughs> they're like shook, fam, turnt, woke. Absolutely. Like, yeah. Whatever, whatever the term is in 2020, that's what they are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I want to get into blood in the gears a little bit. Um, you know, so you guys had come off a of backbreaker and honestly, after, after the, uh, after what you guys pulled on temptation come my way, I did not know what to expect at all. Like whenever I, you know, cause I was like, okay, here's a new showdown record. What are they going to do? Are we going to go 80s metal again? Are we going to go um are we going to go like straight thrash or what are we going to do? Or is it going to be like a Cannibal Corpse record where like I'm not going to be able to understand a thing the dude's saying or you know like is it going to all be guttural, you know, straight for the throat like kill your family kind of kind of stuff. And um I was actually really surprised because you guys kind of went in like um like I don't know if you're familiar with the band Crowbar but kind of mm-hmm. like a kind of like a sludge metal like cuz some of those sludge bands man they're like the heaviest bands on the face of the earth like if you like 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 from a rifts perspective alone are just right. like the heaviest bands ever so like i was really into blood in the gears because it had a little bit of that sludge to it like like you had the riffs that you had on previous showdown records but like with like a lot of stank thrown onto them <laughs> yeah i mean that was uh that was an interesting record, really. I mean, I, I, I don't really know. I mean, I, I it was different. It wasn't written by Josh. It was written by uh, Jeremiah and Patrick, um, which they're the two dudes. They're in Demon Hunter. Um, so they, they wrote the riffs, most of the riffs, all every song. Um, I think, you know, Josh wrote the hidden track on there. Um which I, I like that song. I wish it wasn't hidden, but um, yeah, it was just kind of a, it was a bizarre experience doing that record. It was just like, you know, different, but it was familiar because we'd recorded two records with Jeremiah. Um, you know, they got into like bikes and stuff and like motorcycles. That's never really been my game. I, I back it. I mean, you can hear that on the record for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I back it like a hundred percent. Like I'm not bike hating at all, but like that's, you know, so there was kind of like at times, like, you know, like in our music video, like I wore a vest with like a patch on the back and, and man, that ain't me, man. Like, 
but yeah, it is what it is. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, I hear you a hundred percent. Like you get, you get kind of caught up in what the, what the vibe is, you know, and you, I mean, and you go with it. They made me wear it. I, I didn't want to wear it in backbreaker video. I wore my, I wore the, my outfit that I wore to wait tables at El Chico. Like, I don't, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like black shirt and a black pants. Like, I was just like, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. I'm just going to wear that. I don't know. Whatever, you know, but. I'm imagining you know, it now, the backbreaker video, hidden scene. Do you guys need a refill? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm David, I'm, I'm going to take care of you guys tonight. What do you guys need? <laughs> Dude, I had so many jokes. Like, <laughs> I could make table side guac like a mother. Like, seriously. But, like, yeah, and then, uh, you know, you, you get off your shift at El Chico, and then you go down to... Georgia and record that music video and just keep the sure. same clothes on. That's my style. <laughs> I don't like really want to just like put something on, you know, like I, but, but the, the thing about that is, is like, and, and I say that just because I, you know, it, it wasn't me, but it definitely was the them. You know what I'm saying? It definitely was the other guys. So that's cool. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, was, that's one of those times where you just, you're backing up your band. Was there yeah. a point where, though, you felt like, I mean, you know, you're four albums into this. Is there a point where you feel like you're just showing up for work? Or is it uh, is it is it more than that? Is it still kind of that connection you got with your friends and, and wanting to kind of kind of help them achieve what they're trying to achieve? No, I mean, I can't. I mean, I was into I was into it, you know, the whole time. I mean, towards the end and and the last record, you know, there, it was a awesome time recording that record. Um, I, I mean, I don't know, if, like, my heart definitely wasn't like all in. I guess, you know what I mean? Like, so it it's just kind of. Um, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that I was showing up. There was just a lot of different personalities. You know what I mean? Like a, a lot of very, and it was just a very different time. And I, I've never really toured like that. And we just had a lot of different experiences as a band during that time, you know, like as far as like, you know, we're basically just like broke, like, sure. Yeah. Yo, we, can we stay somewhere, you know, which we'd never been in that spot. We'd never really been in that spot, you know, not even with chorus. We're just like, you know, staying at like drug dealers houses and like, you know, just like on tour with saliva and just like ended up in some really weird spots. And, um, you know, it was just, uh, it was just a unique experience for sure. And, um, it wasn't easy. It wasn't, it was easy for me to, to walk away from it. I mean, but I'm proud of that record. Like, I think it's awesome. And I think that, you know, it was an awesome time, but it, it was easy for me to walk away and, and just be like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to get married now. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to, you know, no regrets. Like my only regret is, you know, we were booked on this tour with living sacrifice and becoming the archetype. And we just kind of flaked out on it. Oh, bummer. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I think that kind of sucks. But at the time, I just didn't really feel like, I don't know, like me and I guess me and Josh just didn't really. I don't really know. I can't really explain it. There's no excuse. It's not metal. Okay. It's okay. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, I I guess like I had my reads. Like, I've just never cared to play a show if it was 10 people or if it was 100 people. Sure. Yeah. And I want to be, or 5,000 people. And like, I just don't want to, I just, you know, towards the end of things, like it was just like, oh, is this this show going to suck? Or, oh, we're playing at a church or we're not, you know, and it's just like, man, that's not really what it's about for me. Like, that's not what I signed up for. So You signed up to play heavy metal tracks in front of a heavy metal crowd. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. I didn't sign up to whine, so yeah, no, <laughs> no, I get you. It's it's hard to talk about. I understand, like a hundred percent, like because I I've dealt with the same thing on a much slower on a much lower level, you know, like where you're there was such a disparity between playing venues of like just like your general metal fans or like music fans, and then like playing a church show or or being booked on a Christian metal tour. Like there's so much associated with that, that makes it more complicated than it needs to be. Like in the sense that like, you know, like we were like Joe and I's band, we we were a Christian hardcore band, you know? And like, there were people that because we had that association or we had that tag or whatever would just assume that we believed or supported things that we didn't necessarily believe or support you know what i mean like and and that that is hard because you feel like you're always playing this like balance game of you know like i was never a person that was going to go out and be like a pastor or like a winner of souls or a winner of you know like and like because at the end of the day i was just a guy that liked hardcore music that wanted to play hardcore music you know and so like at the end of the day it's like I feel like to a certain extent, if I'm playing at a church, like I have to get up there and be all like, make some sort of like insane declaration of faith. But at the same time, like being in a, in a, in a rock band or a, or a hardcore band or metal band or whatever, like that's not really the vibe that that music gives off. You know, like it's, you don't really want to like have to fit into this mold that other people, not you, have have kind of put onto you and you know the reality of it is is that like you're going to a church and you're playing to these kids and maybe you guys are selling more records in the christian market than you than not or you know whatever but you kind of start getting this feeling like i've got to live up to this kind of expectation that i haven't put on myself but that other people have put on me and um and even though i think that what you're describing is really just more burnout than anything else but I think part of that kind of plays a, you know, you're going on, you're going on tour with living sacrifice or you're playing a show with demon hunter and you almost feel like you got to live up to this expectation that maybe that like, isn't you, I don't know. I like, I maybe, maybe I'm just putting words in your mouth, but is that, is that kind of what you're describing there? Well, I mean, I think for me, it was just like, I mean, yeah, I mean, I've had some of those feelings for sure. It's just with me, it's like, from where I was, like, I never cared to play a church or I never cared to play a bar. I did not care if we played a church and there was 300 people there. 
then that's cool to me. If we play a bar and there's 50 people there, that's cool to me. I'm going to jam. I'm going to headbang. I'm going to rock it out no matter what. But like whenever the like that's the difference between the original showdown and the showdown at the very end, because the original showdown did not care. The original showdown played 100% all the time by people, church, bar, whatever. The last showdown, sometimes they wouldn't even take their ponytails out the headbang. And I'm like, what's going on here? Like, I can't be the only person holding it down. Like, this show doesn't live up to your standards and you don't like it or it's not cool because it's at a church. And, and I'm not trying to hate on anybody that I've played with or anything. But, I mean, dude, that's just the reality of it, dude. Like, I played music forever. Like, for nothing like, and I'm not going to go play for 50 people or five people or a hundred people and care it where it is or who's there. Or if the crowd's too Christian or it, that's just a bunch of bullshit to me. Like, I feel like if you're going to go jam, then you go jam. I'm not going to look at the list of dates with living sacrifice and be like, well, that will be a cool show because it's here this one won't be a cool show because that's at a Christian venue. That's lame. Sure. Like you bring it every single time you play. And, and then it's like, okay, well this show, I thought it was going to suck because it was at a Christian venue, but there was a thousand people there. So it's okay. That's just a whack. That's not metal. That's not punk rock. That's not hardcore. Like, I feel like you should jam 100% every time you jam. And and that's just me. Like, you play it because you love it, not because of what a bunch of people are going to give you uh, that you're playing in front of. That's not going to be there forever. Like, the what's there forever is playing music with your friends and that memory that you have. That's the difference between the original and then the, and then the latter showdown. Well, and, and is, is that why we didn't get a fifth record ultimately? Exactly. And that's why, that's why it was easy for me to walk away. And, and that's why it was easy for me to just not want to play shows anymore. Cause like, I don't want to play shows with people that don't want to play shows. Sure. And, like, yeah, I mean, I, and I that's was, not to discredit them even. It's just that they are at a certain point in their life where you're out there, you're not getting like, paid or if you are getting paid you're not getting paid what you need to be getting paid and it's 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 a hard decision to make where like i'm gonna quit my job or i'm gonna go on hiatus at my job in order to go out and do this tour and so yeah i mean i i can i kind of understand it from both sides in the sense that like you know am i doing this because i want to do it or am i doing it because i think i'm gonna get something out of it yeah and it's easy. It's easy to have a bad attitude. You know, it's easy to, I guess it's, I mean, it's just a unique situation. It was like three of the people that you're playing with are in demon hunters. So they're going to go play a show and you know, it's going to be packed out and it's going to be awesome. And it's going to be this and that and the other, but it's like, you know, then you're going to rock and roll. But when you're playing for 50 people, we're not going to rock and roll. I don't get that. Like, that's not cool to me. So no, I don't, I don't really care to stop playing. 
sorry labeled or sorry anybody. I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. I love everybody that I've always played with. I mean, it just is what it is. No, and I understand. I appreciate that honesty because, you know, that's the complex equation to being with a group of people that all have different motivations and all have different views on, on how it works, you know? And I think like, cause like in my experience and I have, I have limited experience, you know, I didn't, I didn't tour all over the U S and I didn't play anything that was, you know, I'm, I'm for lack of a better term. And Joe's probably going to cut this out of the podcast, but like I was in a band that just didn't go anywhere, you know? And that's fine for me. But in, in, in a certain sense, like we all had, there were five guys in the band and we all had different reasons for being there, you know? And that, that can be really hard, especially whenever like with a band like the showdown, you've got, you've got kind of that catalog. You've got a great set every night because you've got such a backlog of great stuff that you've done either with the people that are on stage right now or the people that were on the stage prior, you know, and that can be really hard to quantify and it can lead to a situation where like, I mean, our band, I mean, one of the biggest honors that we had was that we were asked to play at Cornerstone at one of their last years. And so we, we went on stage and we played and we gave it, you know, our all as far as I know. And, um, we all drove home and we just never did anything after that. You know what I mean? It was just like, okay, we, we achieved the goal that we wanted to achieve. And now we're kind of like where we're at. And so it, it does definitely, um, it makes me sad because in, in, in my world, the showdown would have had like eight albums out by now, you know, and had, you know, <laughs> uh, all the success that, that you guys deserve because you did try hard. You did, you took the chances, you know, you took, you, you did things that, you know, weren't dictated by what other people's expectations were. And I think that that's, I think that's awesome. Like, I wish that I had been in that position to be able to be like, you know, fuck expectations. Like, I'm just going to do what I want to do. And that that's one of my fav- favorite things about doing this podcast is being able to kind of get to the story, you know, behind it. And uh, it doesn't have to be a sad story. I mean, you got, you've got a lot to be proud of, you know, in, in yeah. the sense of, 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 of what you guys have done, the impact that you left on that scene and, um, you know, uh, we've got a we've got a festival coming up called Furnace Fest where they're pulling bands that have disbanded years ago <laughs> back together and having them play shows. That, like, I mean, I'm gonna get dude in in a few months. I'm gonna get to see Few Left Standing, which is crazy in concert. Like, oh my god! Like, I'm stoked about that. Um, you know, I I would hope that you know in years you know further out that bands like the showdown, even, you know, I know living sacrifice is going to be there, but they've always been rocky as far as uh, no pun intended, uh, as far as, um, what they've done. And, um, you know, I just, I want to see all my favorite bands reunite and, and be a big and have, have that impact that they had originally that like that sort of stuff can't be undersold. Yeah. I mean, dude, I, I mean, I still play, me and me and all the guys still play like we love it. Um, I play with Travis. You know, we haven't in a while, but um, I mean, there for a while we did almost every day. He was living in Michigan, and I was living, you know, in Knoxville. And we were on Skype. We were writing riffs. Um, 
you know, I, uh, we have probably like 15 song ideas that we were working on for the showdown. And then we started working on this punk project, which we have like three or four songs. And, um, I mean, it's always, and it's always possible. I mean, I love, I love playing music. Like I hope, I hope to, you know, pop out a jam sometime, but I'm definitely like, you know, a sad, like, I don't think I'm, I, I don't think it's sad. Like how we ended or anything like that. I think it's cool. Sure. Yeah, I mean, you guys went on a high note. You released a great record, and you know, I think the fans—it was—it was what we wanted, and it was awesome. And um, you know, one of the things you sent me a track uh, a couple of days ago of you know, kind of a, a showdown record that never happened. And um, I guess if you if you feel comfortable talking about that, like what what the deal was as far as like why that record never came to fruition, because I mean, I listened to the track and I was like, it's a banger. It's a new showdown song, you know, like I didn't have any issues like from a fan perspective. That's one of the ones that we were working on. That was probably maybe a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. Like probably about a year, year and a half ago. Like I just have a play, like I have a place up in my my closet. Like I'll just jam out, travel, travel, send me some riffs. We'll get together and. We'll play. We had we we were gonna do us. We did a song for this movie called Silo the Film, and uh, you know we we were writing like crazy, like all these like songs, and we had this like idea, like you know this, these people want us to write this song for this movie. <laughs> we're just like, okay, we're gonna write a song, quote unquote. And what we did was we had like already been writing for the showdown, so we tried to make a 16 minute song kind of like decline. No effects. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Cause we're like, we're really going to get our money's worth. You know what I mean? And, uh, dude, it just like the musicians that ended, we ended up like having come there. It just didn't really work out. And, you know, the people that were making this movie, they had this like idea, you know, and it was just like, it was a lot. It was not going to turn into something that we could be proud of. So, or, you know, as far as like, this is the showdown. Like, you know, we, we loved some of the, that riff I sent you, like I was singing on, like, oh, we had fun with that. And like, we had some pretty killer riffs that I enjoyed, but it just wasn't going to work. It wasn't going to happen. So we just like wrote a whole new song in the studio and a whole new vocals and just had fun with it. It's kind of like a, a hardcore thrash song. You know, yeah. There's this this movie. It's got these kids in it, and they're in this band called Skull Crow. <laughs> it's like that's <laughs> badass. Like, yeah, so we were just like you know they're, they're just like really wanting us to be Skull Crow. So we're just like screw. It, we'll just be Skull Crow. <laughs> there you go. Like, yeah, we're it's just a like, cool well, name too. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. If I heard that, I'm I'd back. be like, dude, dibs on the band name. Dude, it, uh, yeah, it was so fun, too, because, like, I never got, to, I never wrote lyrics for the showdown. But, like, when me and Travis started playing and, like, writing music and trying to get, like, I started, like, writing, like, lyrics and, and, you know, not just, like, coming up with, like, I would come up with vocal lines in the showdown, but I never, like, wrote the lyrics. Like, Josh is just the jam at that. So it was cool to like have the opportunity to like put my own words on songs and then, you know, 
do it so much that I was like comfortable enough to like just just knock something out completely random in the studio that like you know it was fun. That's awesome. Well, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna transition the interview a little bit towards um, what you know. What have you been What have you been listening to as far as um, in the past year? As far as as far as records go, I'm a big fan of Striker. Um, I love them. I think they're they're very cool, and they 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 don't scream, but they're so metal. Oh yeah, dude. Like Striker. I mean, they've been around forever. <laughs> you know, I love that white record. Like, I I just randomly saw it a couple years ago on uh, on Apple Music, and I was like, "Oh, this is cool!" And it like kicked in, and it was just like, "Whoa, this is awesome!" And then I went and like watched the videos, and you know, they're like doing like Mortal Kombat moves in their videos. Like, they don't take themselves super serious, but they're still like crushing riffs. Oh yeah, like, yeah. I'm yeah, a big fan sure. of this. For sure, I like Ultra Violence. I think that they're awesome. Which named their band after after the um? Oh my God, have I forgotten the name of the band? Death Angel, Death Angel's <laughs> first album, Ultra Violence. Um, yeah, like it's it's awesome that they've kind of continued on in that in that same vein, you know. And um, <laughs> yeah, like I've I've been checking out a lot of like uh, a lot of like spacey death metal. Like that's my thing. Has been spacey death metal. So like that blood incantation record that came out last year. Oh my yeah. God. Like I just, they, some of these bands like continue to blow my mind as far as like how far they can push like death metal, which is a style that like, I mean, honestly, like, yeah, your mom's not going to listen to, um, <laughs> but it just like me being like a weird video game science fiction fan, like a nerd, basically, for lack of a better word. Um, for them to put out records that are that that are like space themed like that. I mean, that record just absolutely blew my mind last year. And I can't yeah. like like I can't put into words how much that meant to me. <laughs> um, because I just love anything having to do with metal and space. <laughs> you know. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, I checked that out. I checked that record out uh, after we had talked the other day, and it's yeah. it, it, it's pretty gnarly. Like it is gnarly. Yeah, like if you if you're into um like old school death, you know, like like human or um, individual thought patterns and stuff like that. It's like very much in that vein, but it's like super modern. Yeah, that's and that's a like it's it's crazy how like. Cause I saw that I, I listened to that record, but a lot of the records, like I'll check out, like, I don't, I don't really know. I just like go to Apple music and me hit metal. And then I'll just look, listen to the ones that like look cool. Sure. Like, I, yeah. <laughs> like, and it's like, I found so many bands like that. And it's like, I, it's like almost like, it's like the version of me when I would go to the record store and like buy like records that I just thought looked cool. And like, but I don't, I guess I'm not spending money on it. So there's more of an, I guess like when I would go and I would like, who this, who is saves the day? Like, you know, this record looks really cool or, yeah. or you, just whatever. And you, you buy it and you don't like initially like love it, but you paid money for it. So you like really 
like almost just like you have to listen to it at least five times. Purchase justification. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And then you end up loving it. But um, <clears throat> so there's not as much of a buy in there, but like uh, there's just been so many cool bands I've found. Like I found this one band just based on what their record looks like. Night Demon. I thought they were so cool. That's cool. <laughs> I think that have you guys heard them? No, I haven't heard them. No. <laughs> they're awesome. They're they're so awesome. They they have like uh some jam, it's like welcome to the night or something, and like their music video is like uh, you know, the, the lead singer is like a serial killer. It's like super cool. That's cool. Um yeah, but they're really cool. They're kind of like they're kind of like a more grindy less polished more judas priest striker okay <laughs> no that's cool sold yeah you definitely sold it to him me i'm gonna i'm gonna have to like wait a couple days and then listen and listen on a day that i'm not like expecting to hear screaming vocals you know uh but i'm i'm gonna probably dig it I, i'm getting a lot more into that kind of stuff and and some of the older stuff because like I grew up as a as a solid state scene kid, you know. So like, I definitely went through a period in my life where I was like, if it doesn't sound like Embodiment's first record, I don't give a shit, you know. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. um, but I, I have gotten into that riftastic stuff thanks to Joe over there, and like, <laughs> he is uh, he has opened my eyes to a lot of different bands. But um, man, what are we, what are we at? We're at like two hours and <laughs> fifteen minutes. Uh-huh. So uh, I think I'm going to go ahead and cut it there for tonight. Dude, we cover so many different types of bands on our discography discussion podcast. So I'm going to I'm gonna keep you on my queue of people. Like, I'm going to throw a band out to you every now and again and be like, hey, dude, you want to talk about this band's albums with us? And um, we should do that. Dude, I'll do it anytime. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I love talking about jams. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. And like, that's the fun part of the podcast. And I, I hope, I hope that you go back and listen to some of those episodes and, uh, definitely start with the showdown one first. And then you can send me messages and be like, dude, you were, you were way off base here. You know, um, that's, I love that. I love that stuff because like as a podcaster, I also try to do better, you know, every time I do something. So, you know, to get that kind of feedback where it's like, well, I was in the band and what you said was totally off base or, or whatever, you know, don't feel shy about telling me that stuff. No, I mean, we, 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 we wear our influences on our sleeves. I mean, as far as like with our music, I mean, we definitely copied a lot of bands, uh, copied decapitated dude. I, I, it was hard for me to go to that as a dying show. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I hear you. Like we did, we, we went so far onto that where it's like, I mean, you listen to the record and the record jams. Like it's not, it's not like you're like, oh, forget this guy or whatever. Like it, if you're a fan of that band, they gave you exactly everything that you wanted to get, you know, from a next record. And it's just up to you as a person to decide whether or not, like, do I go with this or do I not go with it based on whatever the allegations are, you know? And uh, right. that was the hard, definitely the hard part for us, for sure. I mean, I, I, I personally like, I mean, they would never take us on tour because they said we had racist riffs. So I, I really don't even racist know. riffs. Yeah. Quote unquote racist riffs. Because like, it sounded like Pantera riffs a little bit. Yes. I, I don't even know. I never even heard that before. Oh my goodness. 
That's a new one for me. <laughs> I did. I don't get I surprised got, much on this podcast, but that surprises me. Yeah, I mean, you got that. He said we had racist riffs. Danzig wouldn't take us on tour because he read our Wikipedia and found out that we were Christians. Oh, fuck that guy. Yeah, okay. Yeah, right. Like, whatever. Like, they need to go have their own show. We listened to his band Sam Haim, and it wasn't very good, so fuck them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I do like the Misfits, though. Yeah, I, I was just a little salty about racist riffs. I'm That's not gonna crazy. Lie. Racist riffs. Wow. Yeah. I was like, man, you don't even know me. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> I, didn't write, I didn't write the riffs myself. Fuck that. Like... <laughs> So I'm going to I'm going to throw a question out to you and it's at the very end and it you don't have to answer it if you don't want to but like something that I've been I've been kind of vying what? at in doing the podcast has been you know with you being associated with the Christian music scene did you did you ever feel like you were being pressured into being a way or a person that you truly weren't and I'm asking that question like not like with vinegar or like anger or anything like that, but like I've heard it from a few people, and I'm just trying to get as much of a perspective as I can from from everybody that was kind of involved in that scene. Is that were you expected to act a way and act in a way that wasn't you, or was it pretty chill for the most part? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think so for sure. But I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I kind of. I mean, we, but the time that we went on tour with the showdown, like we had been in that scene for a minute. I mean, we played shows and did Christian punk shows. It wasn't even cool then, not even remotely cool. Like band, like I don't know, we played this one time, you know, people threw stuff at us and one of the opening, one of the bands that we played with made a crown of thorns and hung it on our van. Like, wow. You know, I wasn't doing it for them. And like some weird, weird youth pastor coming and telling me like what I need to say. No, I don't do that. Sure. I've never done it. Yeah. Like, yeah, dude, I don't, I'm not here for you. Like, I'm not here for you. Like, and I'm not going to say something because I, because you're pressuring me. I've never been about that. And I, and I, I don't think that that's cool at all. And I mean, if anything, like, I just wanted, I just like, I mean, maybe it's the punk rock. I mean, it just made, made me want to like go against that. If the, somebody said you can't do the devil horns, I did it the whole set. Right. If you know, I, I don't like, like the whole reason why we played in towns like hazard, Kentucky and London, Kentucky, and you know, small towns, even throughout the whole entire, like, journey of our band was just the people there the people there that you know they didn't have anything to do they didn't have it it was a big deal to them for whatever reason and that was cool for us to be there it was a big deal to us like we want to give back like we want to hang out and we're going to do that on our own terms like that's i feel like i'm proud that i didn't like listen to those people like and i did not let those people change me into where I know what I believe. Like I'm still a Christian to this day and um, that's my choice. And I don't want to push it on anyone, but I know like there's a lot of people that have let those experiences 
jade them or, or question what they believe or whatever. And it's just like those people that do that kind of stuff and, and say that kind of stuff, they're idiots. Like we had, we've had people like come at us so hard, youth pastors, like, you know, say weird stuff. Like, do you beat your wives when you're having sex with her? And like, telling like you're from the de- like telling us like, we're from the devil dude we're like laughing their face like no like yeah you know, it's weird how it's weird how people think that they it's weird how people have the balls to come up to you and tell you what god wants you to say like you don't even know me like no it's what you want me to say like in your perfect world of your perfect concert, if you go see whatever band, like it would be so cool if this band did this thing. And it's just like, you can't expect that or put bands on a pedestal like that. Or like, like, dude, like they're not going to save you. Like no band is going to save you. Like, no, it's just weird. It's a weird mentality. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's like, you know, I, I, me and, whenever me and Yogi were living together in Johnson city and he was playing in the showdown. it's just like, you know, there was a thing where we got announced for some tour and it was just like, Oh, the showdown. And it was just like, Oh yeah. You know, another Christian band that just smokes weed or whatever. (laughs) Right. Right. It was just like, okay, like, come on. Like, you know, just get over yourself. Yeah. Like, like he was tripping out, like, you know, he was like kind of weirded out by that. And it's just like, you know, that I get it or whatever, you know, I've done some stuff and I'm not like necessarily proud of everything I've done. And I'm not really like, you know, I don't wouldn't want to like disappoint my folks or whatever, but it, you know, at the same time, it's just like, it's not the end of the world. And like, man, people are just man people and people are just people. And like, I don't know it's just funny how the whole thing works. Like the industry of Christian music and, and stuff like that. It's like, you know, as much as I could sit here and talk shit on it, I would go put DC talk on right now because it rocks. I got kicked out of a DC talk concert <laughs> for mosh. So, and I still would, but for moshing, know, just, for moshing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I had a Hawaiian shirt on. You know, I was the zaniest youth grouper there. Right. I mean, clearly, <laughs> clearly, clearly, though, in the eyes of Jesus, a threat to society. Because Jesus, because, you know, we all know that Jesus cares about society and, and who's president and all that stuff, right? He does. And that's a whole other thing which we could get into. We'll do that on part two of the podcast about what Jesus expects of you. <laughs> he doesn't expect anything from you. He just wants... He just wants you to party on and be excellent to one another. There you go. Station. Station. <laughs> yeah. There you go. There you go. Wild stallion. Wild but stallion. No, I didn't want to get, <laughs> I didn't want to get too serious on that. And hey, maybe I was fake at one point or whatever, but I did try to keep it real. And and <clears throat> you know, we play I'm sorry, I'm keeping you on this podcast. Dude, you're but, fine. Don't worry about it. Every time we would play these Christian festivals, man, I would see these shirts, save it with the cherries on it. What kind of person goes to the goes to the trouble to print that on a T-shirt to make kids at a festival feel bad? Like, let's be honest, like, they did it because they knew they'd make some money doing it. 
Oh, man. I think that is just so wacky and so off. I told I want I, I know one time there was these this this trend where these bands they would have all these hateful Christian sayings on them, and I was just like, uh, you know, bring those judgmental trash T-shirts to our merch table, and I will give you a free shirt on shirt if you take it off your back. I'll swap it out for you for free. That's awesome. <laughs> and nobody did. No, <laughs> no, of course not. Of course not. You know, and it's not to bash on those fans. It's just no, I get it, man. A hundred percent. Like I experienced it too in, in in my brief, you know, career in the Christian music industry is it it can be a hard place to please everybody and it's it's pointless to do so. You know, it's pointless to to try to to try to subscribe to the wacky belief system that some people have because the thing about Christianity is that like, yeah, it's not a blanket. Like you can't just throw it over anything because like you say Christians and some of those Christians are like, well, we hate gay people. Or some of those Christians are like, well, if anybody drinks alcohol at all, they're bad. Or if they're, you know, like you can't, you can't subscribe to every single belief system and throw it on a record and people, everybody be happy with it. Yeah. I mean, just look at the label podcast uh, group on Facebook, man. Yeah. It's a lot of, a lot of backgrounds. Yeah, I mean, they're still hating on the same stuff. They're still they're still hating on uh, under oath for saying a cuss word, right? And yet, you know, like we do this podcast, and people send us messages saying like, "Oh, we love your podcast and everything," but like we cuss and drink and all that stuff. And it's not a Christian podcast, but that gets put on us regardless of what we do, you know, because we talk about bands that were in that scene. You know what I mean? So like, it doesn't matter. Again, it doesn't matter what you do. <laughs> you're still people are people are throwing things on you that have really in a lot of sense have nothing to do with you right exactly dude check this out oh my god Jeez. i'm so jealous right now <laughs> i am so jealous right now oh my god narcissist oh my god narcissist uh it's like a fake hold promotional poster oh my god dude i'm fanboying out so hard does that regulate the chemicals on the top for 238 Oh my gosh, dude! Yes, that and, is uh, that is my one of my favorite records, like top five, and my wife's like least favorite record, top five, because she's had to listen to it so many times. <laughs> oh my god, it's like it's a perfect record. Like, oh my god, like it's so good. And a lot of the records that are on there, like Narcissus, New Wave, Techno, Homicide, Under Oath, Cries of the Past, like that that shit is in my DNA at this point. Even stairwell, the stairwell record was awesome. Like yeah. I was a big fan of that. I think that honestly, I, I'm gonna have to 100 percent agree with you right now. That 238 record is so awesome, and and it's so many reasons why it's awesome. The drumming is so legit, and so like the very first time that I realized like that you just you just, he just plays like. He's not serving the song. Those riffs, dude. I saw them play a house show when they were when they put that record out, and it just absolutely blew my mind. And uh, they played that uh, Tom Petty song, "Get to the Point, Smoke Another Joint." And yeah, like, yeah. Staples <laughs> like put like the harmonica on. It was so awesome, and like you know, I I think that that they they're just great. I think that they're a great band. I really hope that the last four bands 
one of them is 238 and one of them I think is going to be strong arm which I think would be cool I hope Um, it's strong arm based on an episode we already recorded that we haven't released yet Um, I really hope it's strong arm because I can't despite what this dude over here has to say about it their advent (laughs) of a miracle album is a perfect record and and just cannot be undersold it is incredible yeah, it's it's legit. I, I I like them a lot. I think it would be awesome to see them. And yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, man, y'all. This has been really fun. Thank yeah, you. dude, it's been a ton of fun. And like I said, don't be a stranger. We can we can we can uh, we can get together and talk about a band that's not your band, and no pressure. You can say whatever you want, and it, it'll be awesome. Dude, that's cool. Absolutely. All right, man. Yeah, take it easy.